conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and today I am joined by Nat Bremer, and we are talking all about Spider-Man Blue. This kicks off our Tim Sale month, and just a quick disclaimer at the top here. Myself and my guests are aware of Jeff Loeb's actions for towards characters in the Marvel TV shows, and the downside is that it's really hard to talk about Tim Sale without talking about Jeff Loeb, since all of my favorite Tim Sale art is in stuff he has done with Jeff Loeb. But just want to let you all know we are aware of that, and we are going to sort of talk about the works accordingly. But Nat, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. Awesome. And I know you are a big fan of Spider-Man Blue, so I'm excited that we get to talk about this one today. Yeah, really I'm really excited. Yeah, I love Tim Sale's art so much. Batman the Long Halloween has some of my favorite characterizations of those characters in art form. And it's great that he has also worked on Marvel stuff because Spider-Man's a tricky character. Mm -hmm, I would agree. For you, what is it about this comic in particular that stands out because it's not long. It's six issues and it isn't something that really feels the same as continuity, even though it is technically in continuity, I believe. It has, you know, all the Mm -hmm. markings of a typical Spider-Man comic, in my opinion, but it does it in such a way that it doesn't feel rote. Like, we've heard this all before, even though we have. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about it, is this is a perfect jumping-on point for new people who are not too familiar with Spider-Man. And it is a retelling of major events without being a reboot. Everything is in continuity, like, staunchly so. And that's kind of the thing that impresses me most about it is that it goes back to those early days because last month when No Way Home was coming out, I went back and I reread a ton of Spider-Man. And this was always like has been one of my favorite books, but I never got like just how perfect this was with continuity until I went back And I was uh, noticing each major event from these issues was an early issue of Amazing Spider-Man, from the the vulture fight to the rhino breakout to the uh, lizard in the sewers to Kraven crashing flashes going away party. Like Those are all events that were there early on in Spider-Man history, and there's a great balancing act being done here of modernizing it for readers but not too much so that the language is it goes down a little easier but it still feels like the era and allows all those kind of in-between moments that are really the new stuff to uh to gel and to stand out yeah and i think tim sales art is what really brings this all together for me, because I am someone who has 
grown to care more about the art at times than the writing. And there's a lot of narration in this that I don't think we need because the art is already telling the story. Yeah, I mean, the the narrative framing device works really well at times. Uh, I mean, it works really well in general. It's the whole emotional like core of the thing. But there's times when it's much more necessary than others. Yeah, it's one of those things where I feel this way in movies and TV shows too. There's a time and place for narration, but a lot of times you don't need it and it's kind of overused. But for me, one of the main things about this story too is I'm someone who doesn't want to read 150 issues of an ongoing series necessarily to understand what's happening. And the way this story Mm -hmm. is told, it's so concise. It is paced really well. It moves along and it doesn't linger too much. But the other thing to note with this series, because each character that got a comic in this series has a different color attached to it. So this is Spider-Man blue. Mm -hmm. We have Hulk gray, Daredevil yellow, and Captain America white. And this one is all about feeling blue. And that was sort of the thematic thing that I really loved about this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what I love uh, so much, I think the thing that keeps drawing me back to this book, that's maybe my favorite thing, about it is that it is about Gwen Stacy's death without being about Gwen Stacy's death. And I love that with all the flashbacks and all the retellings in a nice, concise way of old stories that we get, we don't get Mm -hmm. that. That's uh, what I think kind of the brilliance of, of this book is, is that this is about remembering Gwen and it is not about how that happened. It's about how they fell in love and everything, but it's it's not about the actual, you know, murder. Yeah, and let's talk about the character designs real quick, because despite this being in the early 2000s, it looks different from the ongoing Spider-Man series at the time. Instead, Tim Sale went with sort of the original designs of the characters. You know, Aunt May is really old and frail looking, which as with mm-hmm. the movies, she's gotten younger at times in the comics. But for me, I think making this a story where it kind of takes you back in time and then goes through Peter's life in a way where it's not like reset every X amount of issues was nice because you're getting this full picture and we don't need to see Gwen's death to ever understand the impact of it in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think part of that great uh, visual design was uh, part of it was necessity because you are going back to really specific issues of Amazing Spider-Man, so you can't bend uh, the character designs too much. But I love kind of what this was for, uh, you know, I, I love how 
different that's got to look for Tim Sale because I'm, like I said, I'm really uh, a big fan of Long Halloween and especially uh, the sequel, Dark Victory. Mm-hmm. Batman's a very different character, was a very different kind of visual spectrum. And so I love how much the color pops in this compared to those books. Like Spider-Man is inherently a visually more colorful character with a much brighter cast of, of villains. And it's just in general a more colorful world. So I, as a fan of those other books, I really like that visual contrast. Yeah, I do too. And when you start reading issue one in this, they almost make you believe that the whole thing is going to have like this blue tint to it too. But I like that Mm -hmm. they kind of set that up and then it switches and you're like, okay, we got that blue tint in this moment because of how Spider-Man was feeling and what the narration was telling us. Mm -hmm. That whole opening too is another, I think that's a really neat continuity deep cut. Like it's necessary for what this is and being like about Gwen's death, you know, Spider-Man going to the bridge and dropping the rose off and kind of noting that it's a private thing he does every year on the anniversary of her death that he doesn't tell anybody about. But that this is not actually the book that came up with that, I don't think. I don't remember where that started. But that's like a real thing, just in general, in the comics that he does that I thought was a really kind of neat way to, uh, to start off that storyline. Yeah. And, you know, I've mentioned a few little critiques here and there. But overall, I really really love this comic. And I've been reading some longer running comics, like I had read Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, I really want to read Sandman, I previously actually, a few years back had started reading The Amazing Spider-Man from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that's kind of a bad way to go about reading Spider-Man comics, at least for myself. It is. Because it's so much and they're so wordy. And this borders on the edge of being too wordy, but it pulls Mm -hmm. it off because you have it sort of bookended by Peter telling us almost directly how he feels and when this ends, and spoiler for anyone who hasn't read this, if you haven't, please pause this and go do that right now. But at the end, you see him with the tapes, and he is narrating this whole thing out on tape, and you see Mary Jane come in. And Peter always has had such a heartbreaking story from the Mm get-go that I think the way this was written, it just hits you with that gut punch at the end. Mm -hmm. What I love about the end is that it has that emotional impact because just in terms of the story you've been reading, the relationship between MJ and Gwen had been very complicated. And so it shows you that much older version of the character also impacted by what happened. And knowing that, you know, she's going to be fine with it. This is his first love and you know she meant a lot to her too so i love that little say hi for me but it is also like 
the day she died was the thing that brought them together. So to kind of also bookend it in that way, I felt was really important. Absolutely. And for me, it was just something that I didn't expect out of a six-issue comic to have this much of an emotional punch to it. And Mm -hmm. you didn't need more time to fully grasp what was happening. And the fact that they include so many villains in this too, you have Vulture, you have the guy who steals Vulture's wings, you have Green Goblin, you have Kraven the Hunter, and it never feels like it's too much. Mm -hmm. And I think Spider-Man is one of those characters. I, I think in general, I think it's kind of what even led to the the idea of a sinister six is that Spider-Man is one of those characters where it can work with a lot of villains all at once or one after the other, because being too much is kind of his thing. Like when it's just one thing after another, that kind of just describes a day in the life of Spider-Man. So it always kind of works. It really does. And one thing uh, that, just struck out to me in general is I love that we get the Green Goblin at the beginning and then never get him mm-hmm. again because it's like he's the looming threat. Osborne's in the background after that. And that really struck out to me when I read this last month and then went back and reread a lot of the issues is, you know, it's so different than now because I had never quite grasped just how sparingly the Green Goblin used to be used. Because at the the beginning of this, uh, or the opening kind of flashback here is Amazing Spider-Man, I think, 40, when he unmasks Mm -hmm. Peter. They unmask each other. Then he gets amnesia. And that amnesia stays literally until the issue where Gwen dies. It's nearly a hundred issues later that the Green Goblin comes back. Yeah. And like for this, I don't know, to be such an oversaturated character now, it's like, wow, they they really knew what they were doing with him back in the day. Yeah. And there aren't too many comics like Spider-Man Blue that we've had since either that kind of take Peter's life and give you this more broad look at it. I think mm-hmm. in recent years, and I guess this will double as my recommendation for today, but Spider-Man Life Story was great because of this. It's a what if Peter actually aged in the comics series. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that too. Thinking a bit again about just the, the gut punch moments and the emotional impact for me, I think the crux of this book like the thing that kind of makes it resonate with me is kind of everything this book is doing is I think summed up in a single line, which actually kind of broadcasts how you know much they could have reigned mm-hmm. in the narration. But there's one line that's uh, it, as he's setting up the story, Peter says, it's about remembering someone so important to me that I was going to spend the rest of my life with her. And that's an obvious setup line, but it's so important because in a lot of ways this death was as impactful to spider-man 
and to Peter and to the overall story as Uncle Ben's, um, maybe even going forward more so because with Uncle Ben, it was it was the way he died more than that he died that you know led him to to this right. path. But with you know Uncle Ben and Aunt May were ancient. <laughs> yeah. Gwen had you know a future you know stolen from her. She was like twenty. She and Peter together, they had their future stolen. And that is, I think, part of the process of that mourning that always happens whenever Peter brings up Gwen. And they do a very good job in those final moments of issue six, where Pete knows that it's been a good amount of time. It's not like this just happened. He's still reflecting on this Mm -hmm. years later. And that just shows you how much of an impact it had. It's not like he entirely ever moved on from it and who can blame him. But the fact that we then see how understanding MJ is of that and the fact that she gets it the way that she does. I think if we didn't have that scene, this wouldn't have hit as hard because you're like, oh, okay, everyone in Pete's life, especially MJ, kind of understands the impact of this. Yeah, yeah. That's That last bit is absolutely necessary, especially because... Even throughout all the flashbacks, MJ's kind of the other girl. And you you need, especially for someone who's like never read a Spider-Man comic before, you need to broadcast that. They moved on. They got together. They kind of both healed together. And that brought Peter and MJ together like that. As I think a very important thing that he notes is that they both grew up in different ways um, from Gwen's death, and uh, they would never have had their relationship had it not happened. Exactly. And what a note to end a comic on, too. It's not uh-huh. triumphant, but in a sense, it's just this deep understanding of who Pete is. And I don't think you can accomplish that with this particular story any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very fundamentally Peter, fundamentally Spider-Man. It's you know you don't get over it, but you you get up and and you you move forward. Yeah, it's really the only thing both he and MJ can do. Obviously, we don't see it with Harry, for instance. And we know that Harry and Gwen were close too. That was established throughout Mm -hmm. as well. And despite, you know, MJ and Gwen sort of going back and forth with who's going to get Pete almost, (laughs) and Flash not understanding, Uh there's still so much humor in this comic that I really loved how that was portrayed through the character's body language too. Like you could see MJ's facial expression changing as like Flash would walk up to her versus when she would see Mm -hmm. Harry or Pete and Tim Sale just did such a fantastic job. Oh yeah. There's so many subtle facial expressions and uh, 
I love the moment when uh, Peter kind of recollects, uh, and we see it because of the interaction between Flash and Spider-Man, but when Spider-Man kind of gives Flash a job to do mm-hmm. to return all this money <laughs> to the back, and he he does it like immediately that he he does kind of re- recollect on the fact that like you know he was not a good friend to peter parker but he was always a good friend to spider-man and like maybe i should have told him like it's like there's so much he wouldn't change but it was like in retrospect like i probably would have you know told mm-hmm. flash back then and i i like that yeah that was a nice little touch and i quickly want to touch on the covers for these issues because Mm -hmm. even though this is titled spider-man blue the use of color on these covers is just great like issue two gwen's blonde hair you know mj in the background for issue three and then the orange for issue four it's just all so lovely to look at yeah yeah, I kind of want to touch on, not to bring it down, because the colors are gorgeous. They're genuinely mm-hmm. gorgeous. And I don't um, want to bring it down a note, but I have this great uh, collected edition with uh, some of the scrapped covers oh, okay. in the back and interviews with Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb. And uh, there was an Aunt May cover that Tim Sale fought really hard for. And, you know, I have been praising some of uh, the writing here, so I am going to take this opportunity to take Jeff Lowe <laughs> down a peg. But uh, there uh, there was an Aunt May cover that Tim Sale, like, loved. And Jeff Loeb was literally, in his own words, like, uh, <clears throat> I'm not against Aunt May. It's just the, the 13-year-old in me would say, who's this old bag of bones on the cover? Can't the artist draw a hot babe? <sighs> My goodness. This is why we had a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode. That's not the exact reason, but is one of them. (laughs) Yeah. And as much as I love this, because, you know, you can, it's healthy to have complicated relationships with art. As much as I love this, there are moments, especially in the um, Gwen and MJ kind of Mm -hmm. fighting over Peter, where that, that energy seeps through a little bit. In particular, like, I can't get over, like, this. I don't know if this is, like, something Loeb genuinely thought was romantic or cute or, God forbid, sexy. But uh, MJ and Gwen both fighting over the opportunity to dote on Peter while he's sick. (laughs) It's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because I want to talk about these things with these comics, since it is something that is kind of a theme. Granted, in, you know, the long Halloween and dark victory, there weren't really too many female characters to begin with. But Mm -hmm. even with what I mentioned earlier with Jeff Loeb and the TV shows, you know, offhand, I couldn't quite remember what this comic was like from a writing perspective. I remembered loving the art and the colors and everything about that part of Mm -hmm. the story. 
But yeah, from a writing perspective, it's like he's trying to live out something in his works that is just not great. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's why there's moments in the writing that really soar uh, for me, like those particular kind of lines of dialogue that I mentioned. And then there's, there's this stuff that I just kind of, the momentum when I'm reading just stops dead. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah. What, what are you, what, what are you getting out of this? I picked up on that too. And I was like, okay, it was a short scene. Can we move on? <laughs> it was a short scene. Yeah. But overall for me, this is a fantastic story told from an artist's perspective because like i said Mm -hmm. a little too much narration for my tastes and it honestly kind of felt like it was getting in the way of the art at times yeah 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 i almost wonder if it was done to uh reflect um the time period but again i think the book is at its best when it's not when it's homaging the time period without Mimicking? Emulating. Yeah, without mimicking or emulating it. Yeah, that's one of my big complaints about the older comics. And I know that's just how they were done. But I'm just like, Stan, Mm -hmm. we get it. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's like, and I love a lot of what Stan did in the old days. I love, you know, the, the backstories he came up with and some of the general plotting but there are so many moments where it just felt like he was writing for this and i think he admitted to this he was writing for the sake of writing because it was like jack kirby and steve ditko were too good at their jobs that they told this story so well it didn't need words so here are all these words on top of it yeah yeah it definitely gives that vibe a lot back in the day but yeah nat any final thoughts before we dig a little deeper into recommendations? I think I, I've said it pretty well. I, I really, you know, like you said, like it's kind of the three characters we set up around Gwen are Pete, MJ, and Harry. So there is part of me that would have liked somehow to have a Harry recollection, but also I, I'm pretty sure he was dead by that point. So I'm going to let that go. Uh, but I, yeah, this book really speaks to me. Spider-Man is uh, admittedly my favorite superhero. And there are times where uh, it's done really well and times that have led me to stop reading it for years at a time. Uh, and I, so I love these self-contained stories that can um, succinctly sum up uh, so many great Uh, things about the character in a kind of small space. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of stuff like this, which is why, like I said earlier, my recommendation is Spider-Man Life Story by Chip Zdarsky. I loved reading through that. It's another quick read too, but just to get that sort of different perspective on Peter's life as a whole, I really, really enjoyed that. But Nat, is there anything you would recommend to people who like Spider-Man Blue? There are a couple different ways I can go. The biggest thing off the top of my head 
that I would kind of want to suggest is Craven's Last Hunt because of how much that character kind of dominates the middle section mm -hmm. of the book and how it's kind of casually revealed uh, that um, he was behind so much of uh, the, the rampage of villains uh, in this book. But Craven's Last Hunt is uh, kind of one of the first, because Spider-Man is a really like ongoing book of many, many dangling threads going on at a time. And uh, Craven's Last Hunt was, I think, one of the first really successful um, kind of standalone couple, like four or five issue miniseries. Uh, so I, um, I really love that book. Um, what that book says about Craven as a character who is probably the last character you should take seriously but lends really interesting stuff when you do. And so, yeah, for that also being a very emotionally impactful, unexpectedly uh, powerful, smaller Spider-Man story, um, I think I'm going to recommend that. That's perfect. Well, Nat, I know you and I have been having a lot of fun talking comics for Chat Cemetery and the Patreon supporters, but thank you for making your way over to Welcome to Geekdom again and talking Spider-Man. Yeah, this was awesome. <laughs>